This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Let me um, let me read something to you from last night. This is um, after the uh, the Ivan Provorov news came out uh, about him um, not wearing the Pride jersey and not taking the uh, the pregame skate with the Philadelphia Flyers on Pride night before their game against the Anaheim Ducks. Aaron Ambrose from the Canadian national team tweets this. Let me get this straight. You have a player that openly declines to participate in an inclusive initiative for a community I am proud to be part of, and you still dress him in the game, be better at NHL Flyers. Um, Last night online and into this morning and this afternoon as well, there's been a lot of um, frustration articulated, a lot of anger uh, that's been articulated as well. Um, And with that, I want to bring aboard Bain Pettinger. Bain is an agent with CAA, Creative Artists Agency, uh, he came out in 2020 sharing his sexuality at the age of 33. Bain, thanks so much for doing this. How are you today? Hey, Jeff. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, you know, last night was a little tough, but, you know, yeah. trying to wrap my head around it all. And, um, you know, I, I'm, thanks for having me on here to, to discuss these important issues here. Well, let's begin then. And listen, thanks for making time. I know this is like, this is, this is tough. Like there are a lot of people that were significantly hurt by this and I respect that and, and feel um, for everyone who was hurt by it. And, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure that was reflected on this program, like it's one thing for Elliot and I to discuss it and what it means, but we haven't lived it. I mean, you have lived it. Um, so thanks for, for coming on to, to share your experiences and your thoughts as well. They're a lot more profound uh, and have a lot more gravity than, than mine do. Um, first of all, when, you, when the, the, the news first started to trickle out yesterday because the, you know, the pregame skate was a pregame skate, we're wondering where Provorov is, and then the news came out about why he wasn't part of the pregame skate, yet was included in the game as well. Um, Bain, what went through your mind last night? I, you know, and I, and I think in our, you know, in the media world, I think, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? So I don't want to take away from what was, I'm sure, a great night in Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, Scott Lawton and JBR hosted, you know, 50 youth in the community beforehand um, and continue to do that um, throughout. And, and, you know, there is a lot of players that through my journey, you know, um, the, the Connor McDavid's, the Sidney Crosby's, the Morgan Riley's that are, are superstars that are, are supportive of the community. And it's something that I live with every day. Right. And so last night, I think it was just, um, it was disappointing, right. To see um, a player, you know, distract from, you know, welcoming in a community and a celebration to, to bring fans in and show that hockey is for everyone and made a, a quite glaring stance that it's not for everyone. Um, and that, you know, there could be fans in there or people watching or, teammates you know so while he's on the ice you know he's sitting in the locker room essentially protesting against a pride night his teammates are out there so Mm -hmm. i'm curious to see how it goes within that philadelphia locker room um you know from my days at hockey canada i've got some great friends that are on that team that i've already spoken to that Mm -hmm. you know those behind door closed meetings you know and then and hey that's fine everyone's entitled to their beliefs we're not going to change everyone's mind but to take such a public stance like that it just felt um, you know, disrespectful, A, um, of the community, not just to me, but it was just sad, you know, and that, that we, we, we take these steps forward and we, we have all these initiatives and we start to show great signs within the game and then, you know, people use their platform to, to, to damage that and, and say that, you know, you're not welcome here and, and that's based strictly on sexual orientation 
and not choice, like like Provorov said, right? He, that's one thing that really stood out to me was I respect people's choices. It, it's it's not a choice. It wasn't a choice for me to come out as as gay. That was how I was born, um, and that's you know that that's my truth. Um, my you know I, I have to live that. A choice is something that you you choose between. This was I had to do this to to ensure my happiness and and my success and my continuation in this great game of hockey. So I don't want to focus too much on on the actual act. I think, you know, we're going to see lots more that comes out here. Um, but yeah, it was as of last night, it wasn't a great sleep. It was disappointing because mm. we, we strive to do, you know, people that I work with, with Brock McGillis and Luke Prokop and Curtis Gabriel to, to create a safe and exclusive, uh, you know, inclusive space by being role models in this game. And it's just a step backwards. I see it as, and, and disappointing. How did you, uh, and you know, listen, in situations like this, uh, I am, I'm always tempted just to, to turn my comment section off and, you know, don't, don't look at the comments. It's a, it's an absolute horror show sometimes, but w- what did you make of the reaction uh, online last night? I'm not sure. Cause I, I understand how, how sensitive an issue it is and it can be even more infuriating depending on how deep you go into people's timelines and the, and, and the comments, but, but based on what you saw, did anything stand out for you? I think, you know, there was media members, whether it was, you know, Elliot or Pierre or, or Frank there that were, you know, were standing up and saying that this is wrong and, and amplifying and using their platforms, right? You can you can dig down Twitter trolls and comments and the good thing and the bad thing about social media is anyone that can create a profile can have an opinion. Um, and, and, you know, I don't think that they would say it to someone's face, but I was proud to see, you know, prominent media members in our industry step up and, and, and make a stand on this. And, um, you know, you, you, I think it's human nature. You sometimes go down the Twitter comments, but you catch yourself. And even this morning, you know, on, online, and, you know, you guys are talking about it today on your show, Jeff, so kudos to you that it is important. Um, and, and it is, you know, uh, for the community out there, for those that, you know, are pondering, you know, coming out of the closet, I think that they, they sunk a little deeper into their chairs because they say, well, hockey's not for me then because, as I said, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, but I don't want to take away from what the Flyers and, and Lawton and JBR and Konechny and Tippett and, you know, guys that I know are strong supporters of, of, of myself and, and the community at large. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, it is a small little piece of it, but it just shows, I think, Where's where hockey is at? We still have issues that, you know, prevent being hockey for everyone. And I think until we bring those two ahead, and I'd rather know, right? I'd rather know that, that we still have a lot of work to do in the game for inclusivity. And it's not just a catch line that, you know, we need to educate and humanize our stories um, uh, and those that are in the game and the community that we are here and, and we're successful with it. And we're going to continue to be here. And by no means does, you know, a player not wearing a pride jersey you know, put us back. It's just, it's just disappointing to those on the outside um, and, and some of the comments that you see on it. You know, one of the things that, um, that I think we all wondered about last night when the story became obvious is, you know, I, I don't think it's a stretch at all to, to, you know, you look at LGBTQ and, you know, what falls under that umbrella. And there were a number of people that, you know, even in the Philadelphia Flyers locker room itself, um, that would, you know, check certain boxes and, and qualify as LGBTQ, let alone if there was someone very specifically who was thinking about, you know, sharing their sexuality like you did a couple of years ago and goes through a situation like that. And you mentioned, you know, sinking back into your chair a little bit. Um, if I can personalize this for you a, a little bit, Bane, and, and maybe there's, there's, there's no obvious answer to this one, but I'll, I'll ask nonetheless, how would a pre- 
out of the closet, Bain Pettinger have reacted to that situation if you are a member of the Philadelphia Flyers? Ooh, that would be tough, right? We say, we say, you know, hockey's a team sport and we always have each other's back and, you know, a brotherhood or, or sisterhood, whichever game you're playing. But, um, you know, logo before the name on the back. And, and, and that's just an example last night of someone, you know, standing up and, and, and you know, leaning on the religious uh, card to say, you know, that, that you don't belong here. And if I was a, a player in that Philadelphia locker room, I, I would have serious issue with that. Um, and, and just on a human side of, of empathy and compassion and, and, you know, that we respect and celebrate people's differences and, and we don't push them out the door. We actually bring them in. And, you know, I'm sure, like I said, off the top, that there is going to be some, some serious conversations between the Flyers leadership group and, um, and the player involved of, of, you know, what are your, let's get to the deep core of this, right? Because I don't think, I don't think people are born to hate, right? And, and I, I mean that wholeheartedly. I, I yeah. think people are, ta- are taught to hate right? Whether it's from their parents, whether it's from a religion, whether it's from something else, no one is born to hate something. Um, so, you know, there, there's people that are hardwired that are from different parts. You know, we're lucky, Jeff, we live downtown Toronto in a very, you know, diverse cultural city. Um, you know, there's still parts of Canada that aren't like that, you know, maybe parts of Russia, maybe parts of the U S but we're pretty lucky to, to survive, surround ourselves with such a diverse community, whether it's sexual orientation, race, whichever. So we're used to that. Right. There is people out there that still, you know, that 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 have hate. And and it's sad because I think we're moving in the right direction. Um, But also, I'm not going to give these people the time of day to to amplify their their disrespectful and hateful beliefs towards a community that I'm very proud to to be a part of. And and I think is is gaining more respect and, and and, you know, inclusivity around the league and the players involved and, you know, like I said, I've got. I'm staring right now in my condo at a, a pride jersey. Oddly enough, of Sidney Crosby um, in my condo that Sid mm-hmm. signed for me and said, "Thanks, your your pal Sidney Crosby." And and that's the pride jersey I'm worried about, and that's the one that I want to you know amplify, and not the one that wasn't worn. And I think you know we're gonna only you know move this along by focusing on the positive and, 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 you know, is it disappointing? Sure. But it just shows the work that we have to do within the game um, still to this day. Alongside Bain Pettinger of CAA. um, What are the things that I, that I thought about last night um, before I went to bed was, and you referenced this like hockey is, you know, the team sports supports your teammates. And this is a, uh, this was a huge night uh, for the Philadelphia Flyers pride night always is. Um, and you mentioned James Van Riemsdyk and Scott Lawton and all the work that, that they, they did before and, and continue to do so and, and always have. You know, there was one choice yesterday that was, well, there's a couple of choices. There was one significant choice made by someone yesterday, and that was Ivan Provorov, to remove himself from a team initiative. And then there was also the coach who chose uh, to still play him in that game. You've been around hockey players for years and you understand the dynamic. You know what consequences are when you're late for a meeting, uh, when you skip a team event, when, you know, when, when, when whatever happens, you can get scratched. Uh, there are some situations where rookies can get sent to the, the minors, you know, rookies that don't have to be, obviously younger players that don't have to be subjected to waivers. Considering that Ivan Provorov chose to make himself not part of the team, during the warm-up, not part of the team at all, yet the coach still chose to put him in the game. 
Do you think that a different decision should have been made there considering, and maybe it's a false equivalency and maybe it's too frivolous, but I look at that and I say, we've seen players that have been scratched for much less. We've seen players scratch for, yo, you're 10 minutes late for a meeting. I get it. I understand it. It's respecting other people's time. This one is respecting people's identity as well. Do you think a different decision should have been made by John Tortorella last night? Uh, yes, I do. Um, you know, I've been a part of many Team Canada's and, you know, World Juniors and World Championships, and I've seen players scratched for, for being 10 minutes late to a bus, right? And and it's the consequences of you have to be part of this team and bought in. I can I can only imagine the awkwardness of, you know, everyone going out for warm-up and, and the looks around the locker room of, what do you mean you're not going out there, right? And then them, you know, skating around in the pride jerseys coming back in, even the trainers or the video coaches running through the locker room. You know, I've been in those rooms and he would probably just be sitting in his stall. I could only imagine, you know, um, what was going on there. And then for the Flyers to put out a, a statement during the game, right? So mm-hmm. I think that kind of raised everyone's eyebrows because he wasn't on for warm-up. And then that the Flyers to put out a statement that they're all inclusive in this, but yet they don't, you know, let's, let's be honest, the players are employees of the teams, right? So if any of us showed up to our jobs and, and took a stance against our employer, right, there would be repercussions. So why is that different in the National Hockey League and, and, and even post-game with, with Tortorella for that matter? You know, he almost doubled down on it and said that's, that's pro V or something like that. And, you know, I think John had a, had a chance there to, to, to right the ship a bit and, um, you know, it was almost a double down. And, you know, I just think it was handled, handled poorly, but Again, like it just shows the work that we need to have done in this sport and, uh, you know, the conversations and, and, and those type of, you know, education. And, you know, what if there's, you know, a, a gay player in the minor league system of, of you know, for the Flyers or a prospect that they draft, um, you know, and then all of a sudden he goes, well, I'm not welcome with the Flyers, right? Because they accept this behavior that discriminates against me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I worry about is that, you know, the people that are, you know, going to be potentially pushed away from the game because of this. And we're trying to bring people in um, and not push them away because I think that, you know, diversity is obviously an inclusion are, are big, you know, key words. But I think it's bringing, you know, fans, players, executives, management, people in the media, agents, whatever, to show that they have a place in the game. Um, and I think, you know, just those are little, little, uh, you know, chips away in the armor per se that, that maybe we don't. And, and, you know, and I think that's just important to get out there. You know, there's been a lot of talk about hockey culture in the last few years, and, and rightfully so. And I think that the, the culture is turning, albeit slowly. Um, but one of the things that I've always had an issue with is the term, or sorry, the phrase, um, don't be a distraction. And we've seen this before, you know, don't step out of line, don't do anything different, you know, don't, you know, don't ra- raise your head above a, above a crowd, especially not when you're a young player looking to get into the mix um, in the NHL. We always hear, oh, he's too much of a distraction. We needed to get rid of him. Oh, he's not fitting in with the team concept. He's a distraction. I've always felt, and I mean, I'm curious your, your thoughts on this, if you think I'm on base or off base. I've always thought that that phrase, which is so prevalent in hockey specifically, that that has kept players from coming out for fear of being the person who now is a distraction. Oh, now all of a sudden this player has stuck his head up above the crowd and and, and shared his sexuality, uh, which is not the same as ours, uh, publicly. And now he's become a distraction to the team. I think the, the phrase he's a distraction has done so much damage or don't be a distraction 
has done so much damage uh, under the umbrella and, and in the realm of, you know, inclusion and diversity. Agree or disagree with that, Bain? Yeah, I, I somewhat agree with that. I think, you know, we're starting to to see that, you know, not to relate it, but to to dress codes, right? We're, we're starting to see, you know, players branding and, and, and you know, they, they can be a player on a team X, but they can also be an individual, right? Yeah. And I think we, you know, we're all waiting for when an NHL player comes out of the closet. Well, that was a step backwards last night, right? And look at what, look at what, we have to create a safe space for that to be able to happen, right? Because look at, you know, how, how the reaction last night and all the hate that was, that was driven from it, that's not a safe space. And a player doesn't want to, you know, they have a limited earning window. You know, I think, I don't think it's a coincidence that in other sports, whether it's football, baseball, basketball, you see players come out after they retire from the spotlight, right? Because yeah. we put these players on this pedestal and they don't want to have a fear of, of, you know, this is their jobs, right? And, and, and if they don't feel like it's a safe space and it's going to hurt them financially, like any of us with our jobs, then you stay in the closet. And if you see a, a, something like last night, that, that's not, why would someone want to come into that, mm-hmm. right? The, to face that adversity and that negativity, you know, we're all about, you know, positivity and about, you know, empowering people and, and, you know, players being their own brands and, and you know, not being a distraction, but I, 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 there needs to be the environment for that to happen. And, and things like last night just, just show that I don't think we're, we're quite there. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I agree with you there that, you know, the distraction piece I think is, is, is an important one, but I think we're starting to see that change with players and especially, you know, um, older players, uh, more established players in the league aren't afraid to speak their mind on certain issues and, and, and stand up for what's right. And, and, and I think we'll start to see that even more and more here. Um, I, I want to end on a positive here. And from your, from your point of view, um, what's been the best thing about coming out in hockey when you did in 2020? I think, you know, uh, humanizing, and it doesn't have to be a taboo subject, you know, the amount of people that have reached out and said, oh, I never told you, but my cousin's gay, or this, or my uncle, or, yeah. you know, my sister, or, you know, it, it's always been this, like, you know, don't talk about it, don't ask, don't tell type thing, whereas as soon as I spoke my truth, it was like, I've created more friendships and community, and, you know, people are more, I think if you show some vulnerability in your, your you know, your, your true self, you know, for me personally, I'm a better agent, a better brother, a better son, because I don't have that weight of anxiety on my shoulder of thinking, can I be gay? and Can I be successful in the hockey world? Once I shed that, mm-hmm. I think I'm a better person for that. And my clients are going to get a better agent. Um, you know, I'm going to be a more compassionate person and people, you know, it shows that you can, you can live your truth and be happy and it doesn't matter. And, and we kind of have to have more of that attitude of like, let's not let, you know, one squeaky opinion or a, twi- yeah. a tweet bring people down because we are making good progress in the sport. Do we have a long way to go? Sure. But hey, I'm going to keep doing the work I do in advocacy and, and working on a not-for-profit with some friends of mine that we're going to be launching. But it's just, let's just keep the ball rolling and, and calling people out on bad behavior and you know, but the majority, and I want to, you know, reiterate that the majority of players in the league that are friends of mine, clients or not, are supportive. Yep. So let's, you know, and, and do and love Pride Nights. And it, the, the, the jerseys and the sticks raise a lot of money for the community. And, yes. you know, Scott Lawton and James Van Riemsdyk are, are going to continue to host queer youth at games. And, you know, those are things that we need to amplify more and not always the negativity in Agreed. my mind. 
Absolutely. Bane, you're great. Um, you spent more time, I'm sure, uh, than you bargained for with me today. I really appreciate it. I think our, our listeners and viewers do as well. Thanks so much for doing this today. Thanks so much, Jeff. Talk soon. Bane Pettinger from, uh, from CAA. Uh, up against the clock here. Uh, we're going to pick up this conversation and other hockey topics uh, in a couple of minutes. Greg Wyshynski from ESPN joins the Merrick Show and then Joey Kenward towards the bottom of the hour as well. Keep it here. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Well, the draft was in Vancouver, and I was rated in the eighth or ninth round, so they took a break after the fourth round. I had an interview with Vancouver, and I thought it went well. And uh, Ron DeLorme was there with First Nations also. So I was hoping to go in eight or nine rounds. So they took a break after four rounds. So I went to go eat, and uh, it took me too much time. So when they called my name, I was at uh, the Sharks Club eating, and uh, I missed my call. But when I got back, everybody told me I was uh, drafted to Vancouver, and the draft was in Vancouver. So I was really happy about that. Uh, that's awesome. That's uh, the late Gino Ojek talking about his draft story. Just uh, deacon out for a quick snack. Oops, I just got drafted uh, into the NHL. Welcome back to the program. Joey Kenward joins me. That interview was on uh, one of Joey's programs. Uh, Joey Kenward from Sportsnet 650. Um, you knew Gino Ojek, talked to him a, a number of different times. I met him twice, and the longest conversation I had with him, must have been about 20 minutes, maybe half an hour, was at a, was at a car show in Vancouver years ago. Um, your thoughts on, on the late Gino Ojek, who tonight will be celebrated before the uh, Vancouver Canucks-Tampa Bay Lightning game. Yeah, th- thanks a lot for having me, Jeff. This has obviously been a very emotional start to the week in Vancouver uh, for a variety of different reasons, and I really appreciate you being able to, uh, to talk about Gino today. I know initially we were going to do this interview on Monday morning, right? Yep. Um, but then, obviously, the Canucks had a press conference, and everybody thought, President Jim Rutherford was going to be updating everybody on the status of the Tanner Pearson injury situation. And that quickly, after they discussed that, turned into a State of the Union address on all matters involving the hockey club. Um, But I'm really thankful that uh, we're we're putting the spotlight on on a player that uh, deserves to have the the attention bestowed upon him uh, going into what I'm sure will be a very emotional night tonight at Rogers Arena because the Vancouver Canucks organization, you can criticize them for a lot of things that have happened over the years. One thing you can't, though, is how they've paid tribute to many members of their family who have passed on. And I, I think of the tributes in the past they've made for uh, Luke Bourdon pregame, yep. uh, Rick Rippon pregame, and maybe most recently the tribute they had pregame after the passing of Pat Quinn uh, I, I think we're in for a very, very special, special start to the night tonight to to pay tribute to arguably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, fan favorite in franchise history. You know, I, I, I'm I'm curious about that too, and I want to want to pick up the conversation there because you know, hockey fans love their tough guys, and that was a very specific era. Um, where your tough guy, your enforcer, was larger than life, and. And that was true of all markets in the NHL. But there was something different with Gino Ojek and Vancouver. Why did that click? I want to get to the, the Bure Association here in a second. But what was it about Gino that just clicked with the Vancouver Canucks fan base? You know, I, I think it's how he started as a Vancouver Canuck. 
you know, drafted, as we just heard that story, he talked about uh, drafted out of the Quebec League. A lot of people forget. He played at the Memorial Cup for Laval. Sure did. Right? This is a guy that, that had some good hands, and not just for when he dropped the gloves on them, but he could put the puck in the net as well. But the immediate first impression he made on his teammates, his franchise, and the fan base, that's stuff of lore. When he, after being called up from the Milwaukee Admirals, he fought two of the toughest guys in the league on the same team in Dave Manson and Stu Grimson with the Mm -hmm. Chicago Blackhawks in town. And that was the last time, you know, the thought of him ever being returned to the minor leagues, forget about it. Mm -hmm. A 14-year NHL career started that night, and eight of which were in Canucks colors. And the, the Canucks had some tough guys before him, but not that moving forward because as you said in that era of hockey each team had its its tough guy its token tough guy but the Canucks really never I think had one that feared no one and you talked about it when he went into any rink around the league uh, whenever teams came into the Pacific Coliseum or then their new building um, teams and players feared him and I think the fan base really really responded to that and let's be honest back then you talked about it Jeff the era of hockey was a lot different there were some nights yeah. when Gino Ojek left the ice with his jersey elbow pads helmet and and maybe uh, shoulder pads on the ice and all he came off was with an undershirt if that yep <laughs> leaving the ice right so um, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why fans really endeared themselves to him but he was a team first player and I think that's what really hits home when people think about the name Gino Ojic. So Elliot has a theory, and I tend to agree with him on this one, and this revolves around the relationship he found with Pavel Bure. Uh, And you may look at these two and say, well, how did these two get so close? And Elliot's theory is, you know, this was an era, you know, in, in Canada where, you know, First Nations people still really didn't feel part of the country in a lot of parts in the country. Uh, Russian hockey players didn't feel like they were part of where they were playing. And there was an element of, you know, both hockey players feeling like they were outsiders and kind of found a common bond because of that. Agree or disagree with Elliot's theory. I, I, I'm, I'm warmer and warmer to that one. Yeah, let's also forget English was the second language for both, right? When they yep. came into Vancouver. Gino growing up in Quebec, uh, obviously uh, French is his number one language. Pavel coming over from Russia. English is a, a difficult language to, to learn off the get-go in a brand-new environment that you're not used to. Um, I, I think that was... You can probably credit Pat Quinn for helping that relationship be fostered into what it became, hmm. right? Because those two guys were roommates on the road. Can you imagine those two guys in a hotel room together? <laughs> like, who's got, control, who's got control of the remote control back then? Who's yeah. the one that's ordering the... the uh, room the, service. The, the room service, right? Yeah, but, you know, and, and I think that it was done by design to have those two guys. But make no mistake about it. When you had a player like Bure, the franchise had never had before, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know that you put him with this guy on the ice and off the ice, that's not only your winger, your wingman, but a guy that's there for you through and through. Uh, I think that's as much a reason as any why. Like, he, he protected Pavel. But Pavel knew that this guy is is there for me through thick and thin, and and that's mm-hmm. another reason why people remember Gino for the for many many reasons is the fact that he's a guy that allowed Bure to shine in many respects. Pavel was a superstar in his own right, and did a lot of things people have never seen before 
in a Vancouver uniform, but he was given a lot of space, wasn't he? Thanks to number 29, either on his wing or even sitting on the bench. Um, what, what do we expect this evening? Uh, what do we expect this evening in Vancouver? What's the, the reception going to be like? Um, you know, there's going to be, you know, applause. There's going to be tears. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a, a tremendous video tribute to Gino as well. What do we expect tonight before the, before the Tampa Bay game? I think all of that, Jeff, and I also think you're probably going to see a, a number, uh, maybe in as much as double digits, number of uh, former Vancouver Canuck teammates of Gino Ojek on the ice to help celebrate his legacy. Um, it, it's going to be very emotional. No matter what, I know that for a fact, that no matter what's going to be on the video or what's going to be happening before puck drop between Vancouver and Tampa Bay, it's going to be a very emotional night. Um, I, I hope we get a chance to hear some, some sound bites of Gino clips yeah. from over the years. Everybody knows his, his quotes over the earth, his fight highlight reel, right? And some of the great goals that he scored. But, man, did this guy have a sense of humor. Man, did this guy get it when the microphone was in front of him. Like, he had a famous quote. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. He was asked once about uh, Mike Heenan. He said, uh, Mike gets frustrated and says stupid things, but I get frustrated and do stupid things. Um, you know, when, when, when Gino was a member of the Montreal Canadiens, you'll recall uh, when Pavel Burry was traded from Florida to New York, that, that caused a lot of problems inside the Panthers locker room. And goalie Trevor Kidd was quite outspoken about that at the time. Well, Gino was none too happy. So preparing for a game between the Habs and Panthers, apparently the Montreal Gazette reporters were talking to Ojik and said, you know, whatever. And he says, listen, I, I figure Kidd's going to wake up at 9.30 in the morning and read the paper at 10 o'clock, knowing that I'm going to be ready to see him. And that leaves him with about nine hours to learn to do the duck dance. Now, I haven't played in a week. I've had a bruised foot. But all I've been doing is shooting at watermelons because I know that's the size of his head. <laughs> it be good for three or four shots, and I was hitting that melon quite often. So then reporters said to Gino, well, what happens if kid doesn't play? Like, he might be the backup. And Gino, apparently without batting an eyelash, says, you think he's safe on the bench? <laughs> I, I don't know if we'll get those quotes, but I, I know we're going to get a lot of great memories to reflect upon about a player. Yep. that a good chunk of the fan base never saw in person, right, Jeff? Yep. But for those that did, they'll remember those moments like they were last week. Different era. Like, yeah, there, there's still, and I've, I know I have a, a hard time describing this to a lot of a lot of newer fans, but there, there was a time in the NHL, and when you look at the grand scheme of things, it wasn't even that long ago where one of the sidebars to a lot of games was, you know, two heavyweights, whether it's, you know, Crowder or Probert or McCarthy or Brown or whomever, you know, watch what happens when these two are on the ice together. Um, and that era is long gone. We very much look forward uh, to this tribute tonight in Vancouver for Gino Ojek. Uh, I got a couple of minutes left here with it, Joey. And listen, the Jim Rutherford press conference was the headline this week, that and the passing of Gino Ojek. Certainly, uh, what were your main takeaways from what we heard Rutherford discussing on Monday? Well, he was pretty honest. <laughs> he been pretty transparent, yeah. right, uh, about a variety of different things. Now, how all of that will play out uh, for the organization, both on and off the ice, time is going to tell. But that, that currently, you know, certainly caught so many people in these parts by surprise about just how open he was about a variety of matters, whether it was about his current coach and the search for a potential replacement, whether it was for Bo Horvat's contract status, yeah. whether it was for 
contracts of other players that they're trying to move. The, the one thing that did say that really stood out to me was the fact that he openly admitted not a that he he wasn't happy with his own job, but that when he took this job, there was probably minor surgery required to repair the roster and to get the, this team back on the right track. But when he said that it requires major surgery, now he might not be wrong. There's a lot of people yeah. that would definitely agree with that, but to hear him actually say that publicly really raised a lot of eyebrows. Uh, so it's it's put the team in the spotlight on a national stage that probably not a lot of people inside that organization were hoping it would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now they've got to, you know, and the schedule doesn't get any easier for them. Uh, you've got a team with a player that's trying to hit a 500-goal milestone tonight that, uh, you know, Vancouver just saw. Uh, you know, this will be a really interesting, like I said, an emotional night. I'm sure there's so much going on through the, the mind of Bruce Boudreau and through a lot of the players that were talked about in that press conference. Uh, and, and to top it all off, the game has to be played with all that on the people's minds after what will be a very emotional start to the evening yeah. to, to remember Gino Ojek. I'm, I'm really, really keen to see how this team starts tonight after uh, a very grueling and uh, up and down road trip that they just come come home from. I'll, I'll tell you, Joey, and I've got about sixty seconds for this. Maybe ninety if, uh, if Lance gives me a little bit of a kiss over the glass. Um, <laughs> the Bo Horvat situation. Like I, I think that considering everything that Horvat has had going on around him, um, you know the uh, you know Jim Rutherford undermining the head coach from day one. Uh, his lack of a contract, uh, various, you know, feuds, public or, or otherwise. The fact that Bo Horvat is able to have this season through all of this tornado that's happened around the hockey team, to me, it's got to be one of the best performances we've seen in the NHL in the last few years, agree or disagree. Consummate pro, right? Consummate pro. Bo Horvat is showing that in a big, big way this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's aware of the noise that's out there uh, in the market and around the league on his future. But that certainly has not affected his play at all on the ice. Yeah. Um, who would have thought they'd have 30, go- you know, potential for back-to-back 30-goal seasons, letting alone hitting that mark at the halfway point of the year? Yep. He's been, he's been great, but I think he's dealt with everything in such a professional manner. That's what you expect out of a captain in today's NHL. And, and you think about a player that's, He's only been a part of one team in this league since he was drafted by that team. Um, there's a lot of people in these parts that when they think about the Canuck way, yep. they think about what demonstrates a Canuck. Bo Horvat is really, really showing that in, in leaps and bounds this season. And what's been a frustrating year on the ice for the franchise. They're going to miss him. Uh, Joey, enjoy tonight. I know it's going to be an emotional one. We'll check back soon. You got it. Thanks for having me, and uh, we really look forward to seeing what the organization uh, has in store for the fans, not only in Vancouver, but around the hockey world and, and paying tribute to, to one of the biggest fan favorites in franchise history tonight. One of the greats. Thanks, Joey. Uh, big Thank thanks you. to Joey Kenward for stopping by the show today, Greg Gushinsky for MVSW, Elliot Friedman for kicking it off, and a special thank you for stopping by uh, Bain Pettinger of, uh, of CAA talking about the Ivan Provorov situation. Back tomorrow.